welcome back to Beyond the Couch with Bridges Mental Health. We're excited today to have our first guest on the podcast, Dr. Vivi, who is a clinical psychologist and success coach for international students. So thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Vivi. Thank you, Christy and Samantha and Diana for the, offering the space. Yeah. Well, we'd love to get into a bit of your background and, and we'll also move into talking about your role in working with international students now, but it sounds like there is a bit of your own experience that led you to working with international students. Is that right? Yes. I was an international student myself um, when I came from Taiwan to the U.S. about 15 years ago. And so I finished my undergrad in Taiwan and I pursued my graduate degree uh, in the U.S., actually living in the Bronx. And so just looking back throughout my graduate career and also my professional career, I've sort of worked with uh, many international students, um, both as a mentor or as a therapist. And I often think that um, a lot of international students don't need to get to a place where they feel very depressed. And some of them, unfortunately, were at the time where they wanted to hurt themselves, right, to seek out uh, professional support. I think that the mission for my coaching sort of services for students is to really help them to be able to manage their or navigate their sort of cross-cultural experiences in a more proactive way. And can you tell us a little bit more about what international students can experience in their first however many years maybe in the States and what kind of patterns or themes you actually notice across that experience? Yes. So uh, just based on my experience, for example, I, I went to a school where, um, where it's international student population is very minimal, at least at that time, 15 years ago. So um, perhaps if, if, you know, based on what I know, perhaps throughout my time there, um, across three different programs, there was probably only a handful of international students. Okay. Uh, so when you are the only one in the class, a lot of times, or uh, one of a handful of international students in the school program, I think um, it can feel very isolating, and especially in terms of your experience, not just as a grad student, but also a grad student who's very new to this country, to this American educational environment. And so at that time, I, I went through a, a big learning curve and actually a lot of challenges. And I, I found it really difficult to understand it from a perspective where it, it makes sense for me to experience this because I'm new to this country. I think a lot of times I personalize my struggles and challenges. And I feel very upset and very angry a lot of times and wondering how come no one could understand what I was going through. Okay, even I feel uncomfortable uh, in, in that environment, I didn't even know what was going on with me, right? I didn't even know what I was going through. And I think uh, with a lot of international students, we would be pretty fortunate if they uh, actually have a cohort where it's pretty diverse and you know a mix of a number of international students in their program or in, the, uh, in their school. I think it would be giving them a bit more balanced sort of environment uh, to connect with people from the same background and also be able to learn how to make friends and uh, interact with American peers. 
but I think that for students who are kind of like me, who don't necessarily have such an exposure and access to a diverse group of students and peers, I think it can, again, very isolating. Uh, it can create a lot of self-doubt in that process. It can, uh, students can really personalize their experience and really question themselves, like, do I really have the ability to do well in the U.S., right? Uh, many international students likely, you know, came from their home country where they are uh, top students, right, in, in their sort of educational environment. But when it comes to this setting, they thought that they could just do what they were doing back home and then sort of replicate that process here. But when that process doesn't work for them anymore. They will start to question like, maybe I'm not good enough, right? Like my question, like maybe I wasn't good enough to, to study in a straight doctor program and perhaps my school made a mistake by admitting me. So I think it's not until I started um, maybe two years after me, uh, there was an international student from South Korea. And so we became really good friends. And in, in her sort of sharing of her personal experience in the classroom and outside of the classroom, it really made me realize, wow, it's not just me, right? It's not really just my personal issue. Um, we actually have a lot of overlapped and common experiences in the school and in, in terms of also that, that psychological process that we were going through. And so through that, I thought that was a really good insight for me to have. And through that, I had more opportunity to interact with uh, other international students. And it came to realization that it is a pretty expected or typical process for students who are new to this cultural context, especially from a cultural context that's very different. And in my experience, sometimes almost the opposite. If you come from East Asian culture, for example, is a lot of times very different. So these are some of the themes I often come across. Another thing is in terms of, um, I would say nowadays, you know, as Asians, we talk a lot about raising awareness as minority uh, in the U.S. society. And with the COVID, there's an increased discrimination against Asians and Asian Americans in our society. And I think for international students, they came from likely more homogeneous kind of society than the U.S. society. So for them, a lot of interracial conflicts, tension, and, you know, what is the experience like when, when you are discriminated against, when you are being harassed, right? A lot of times it's really new for them to experience. So I think it can be quite challenging for them to feel like they cannot necessarily really participate too much of this kind of dialogue, right? That uh, where Americans growing up in the society would have a long history of experience of this already. And so it can sometimes, I would say it can be a protective factor, but it can also be a pretty vulnerable factor for them um, to, to both feel they, they don't have that history, but also being in this cultural context, they are not able to join that conversation. And if they do encounter discrimination, how to deal with that? What does that look like, right? What is their right? Would I come across as being too reactive, too emotional about these things? I think all of this can be uh, challenging for them. Mm. 
Yeah, it sounds like when you've had the experience of being an international student and having few other international peers around you that can feel so isolating and picking up those questions or self-doubt of, is it only me that isn't going to be able to navigate school or navigate life in the U.S.? And then it sounds like meeting at least one other student actually helped to normalize the experience and realizing there might be different cultural skills or language or ways to navigate interpersonal relationships that would work in your home country, but wouldn't necessarily be received maybe in the same way here. Mm -hmm. And so you're kind of speaking then to learning the social cues or maybe the social expectations, especially around something more conflicted, like interracial relationships and experiencing harassment over the last couple of years too. Right. Can you tell us a bit more of that sense of cultural code and maybe how you came to that phrasing or that language as well? Let me give you an example. And that's some of you might feel it's a really funny example. So, um, you know, like how how Americans or just in general, when we're sitting around in a classroom or in a group of setting, when somebody sneezes, right, what would people do? They, they will immediately say, God bless you, right? Something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's not a practice for, at least for people in Taiwan, and I believe in a lot of probably Asian culture, it's not a practice at all. Uh, so it's, it was very new for me. And so I was paying attention in the classroom, how my American peers sort of interact on that level, right? When somebody sneezes, you know. And so it, it occurred to me that I may have sneezed in a different way as compared to my American peers. That it seems like there's a particular way of sneezing that, that really registered to people around you. And then when people would almost unconsciously say, bless you right back, mm-hmm. right? Something would happen that triggered that unconscious kind of cultural response that even if one element is missing, that would, right, the other person would respond as well. My re- recollection was I was so amused just by my observation in the classroom where it, it doesn't necessarily need to take the entire, like several factors to line up in order to trigger that a response from people, right? It, it seems like if there's just one trigger that somebody would, would just immediately say, God bless you, even without other, you know, criteria that, that need to exist. So, so that says to me that if I sneezed, right, if I didn't trigger my American peers response saying, God bless me, how would I respond, right? How do I understand this psychologically? Do I personalize it saying that, oh, they, they don't say that because, right, I am not American. Maybe they don't like me, but perhaps it's a relatively unconscious cue that people don't process on the right, really conscious level. So perhaps when I sneeze and they don't respond, is not because they don't like me necessarily. It can be because I don't sneeze in a particular way that would trigger that response. So people wouldn't necessarily have that intention to want to do anything malicious to me. It's probably pretty benign. And there's probably just a good topic to, to talk about and to open up in terms of what other ways people tend to inter- interact in a more of an uh, intuitive way. And so with that, I think that really helped liberated those points where I really was holding on too tightly and being able to appreciate, actually, it can be just 
a very interesting social and intercultural phenomenon, right? And so perhaps there's other skills students can learn to observe, right? What are some of their behaviors? What are some of the sort of language way of communication, behavioral way of communication that can potentially trigger more of a positive reaction or recognition from people they care about in terms of professors from the American peers. Yeah, it sounds like you're speaking to when there's ambiguity or you're noticing some difference between how other people respond to a sneeze versus how you might be responded to. And then with that gap, we can imagine that it must be me or they must not like me. But it sounds like then you're expanding the kind of scope of view by saying there's so many other factors and a lot of it might be an intuitive or more subconscious cultural response as opposed to them reacting to me specifically as an international student versus other peers, but that you're saying in your work with international students now and coaching that you can work on certain social skills or how to communicate or express yourself in a way that could yield the result we're hoping for instead of getting into those maybe cultural miscommunications. Right. Cultural miscommunication or misunderstanding sometimes. Mm. Yeah. So a lot of people with focus, uh, international students struggle on their language use, right? Um, Especially if um, they grew up in the environment where they didn't have to use English on a regular basis. It's quite challenging, right? I remember when I first came here, I had to pause in the middle of a sentence to take another breath in order to finish a sentence. And I do think my English skill was pretty good, right, compared to my peers back home. But here it's a daily way of using English and it's very difficult. But I tend to think that it's more than just their language use, but also in terms of their cultural, social understanding and the body language, the eye contact, in what kind of social setting, how do you act so that you get to feel more comfortable. And I think that all of this uh, requires some kind of detailed, in-depth discussions. And it's not necessarily can be addressed through just one workshop or one seminar. A lot of times students don't even realize these are the things they need to look into and then need to maybe see things differently. And then there's a way to help them feel more comfortable uh, until that there's someone professional who is a expert in cross-cultural kind of process to be able to help them identify these these are the ways that's making you feel uncomfortable and how do you work with that and so potentially but you just even mentioned a tv show right that maybe your american peers would be watching it can be a good conversation starter or just when you go to a bar, how come the bartender never right, pay attention to me? It's because you probably need to pay attention to the bartender and kind of make eye contact, right? And so all of these requires a student to be here for some time and ideally having someone who has experienced all of this to tell them, oh yeah, this is uh, what happened to me and this is what you can do to get what you need mm-hmm. in this environment. Yeah, those like nuance in in everyday interactions, like in school or with peers or going out at a bar, for example. Can you tell us a little bit about how you view your role as a success coach with international students as opposed to your 
other role as being a clinical psychologist? Like what might it feel like for international students to work with you as a coach mm-hmm. versus a therapist? So, so the idea of me creating a separate practice just for coaching is because I've seen so many international students coming to me and actually a lot of them didn't come to, didn't find me themselves. A lot of them uh, found me uh, through their friends or through their school psychologist because they were not able to find me themselves, meaning they are likely in a place where they're very depressed already. They are not, they are barely able to function right at their adequate level. And so some students will come and told me that, well, they, they fail so many of their final uh, exams and they're so worried they're going to be kicked out of school. And for international students, being kicked out of school means that you will lose your visa status and likely you need to go back home. Mm. So it is that additional layer of stressor for international students who always need to keep in their back of their mind. And so I often think to myself, these students don't have to go through such a difficult and dark process Mm. in order to get professional support and help. I think the students can navigate this process more proactively through skill building, through increasing their awareness about potentially these are the things that might happen on the intellectual level, but also on the emotional level is when you start interacting in the classroom, when you start interacting with the local Americans, and then that's when you start to have more of an emotional reaction. Oh, that is how I feel when all of my American peers were raising their hands in the classroom, but I could not. And it's not because you are not smart. And likely a lot of them are actually really advanced level students back home. But it's not because you cannot, you're not smart enough. It's because you didn't get that much of an exposure in terms of training growing up. For international students, there's a lot of that transition that they need to be aware of. Like, how does that translate in my day-to-day interactions in school, in the social setting, even in my own personal life? And, and for many of them, they go through transitions on several levels. One is likely is the first time they are away from home, right? And uh, how do you go from a place where you you, you used to live home at home and when you go home from school, right, you'll be a nice meal waiting for you for some of the students, right? They don't have to worry about doing laundry. From that process to when you go home, go back to your apartment, the apartment may be empty, mm. right? You may need to start thinking about what you need to cook for dinner. You may, on the weekend, you may need to, you know, set aside some time from your studying to go do your laundry. You might need to be learning about how to manage your budget, how to watch your spending. So, so on that level and also the cross-cultural transition and also just emerging adulthood. And so I think that there's so many levels uh, of that transitions. Students wouldn't know and their parents definitely wouldn't know unless they have their experience of being an international student themselves. And so they would likely expect it just to be like going to a school in a different country, different culture. That's it, right? I just need to do whatever I used to do to get me where I am today, and I'll do well here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think in, in a very different cultural context, there's a lot of different things students need to learn in order to feel comfortable. And also if they want to be recognized, you know, they're 
are a lot of sort of comfort zones they need to learn to stretch and break through. So some of the things, for example, for students from Asia or East Asia particularly, there's a lot of focus on their hard work growing up, working hard, get the best grades possible and get into the best school possible. But here it's probably similar too, but not enough. Right. I think in this culture, there's a lot of focus on how do you communicate openly in public, right, in the classroom? How do you be able to think on the spot, right? How do you lead? How do you perform yourself in presentations, public speakings? How do you think independently and problem solve independently? And there's also a lot of focus on the relationship building aspect. Growing up, right, students from Asia probably just need to make sure they get good grades, go to the best school possible. But here, a right part of success is how you build good relationships with people around you. Probably not just your professors, but also your peers. Because who knows, you know, all these connections a few years down the road can be very helpful. But that relationship building. And I think my experience when coaching international students, it's really not on their radar at all. Whereas compared to a lot of American uh, students and uh, individuals, it is a very ingrained part of how they manage these social relationships, right? Being able to get ahead and do well in school and get ahead in their maybe career, to do their job well is not enough. Right to do their job well and hoping uh, your professors or your manager will one day recognize, oh, you are doing a great job is not enough here. And so uh, Asian students especially need to know, even though they don't feel comfortable necessarily to be visible, but if they feel ambitious, if they want to continue to advance their education and career in a positive way, these are the things some of the key things they need to learn to challenge themselves and develop the skills along the way. I mean, I have more of just like this newfound uh, understanding of the complexity of what some of these students are going through because you know, on the one hand, it's context, right? Understanding that it's, it's not, there's so many factors. And then on the other hand, it's also skill building. So it's like the combination of both at a time that is already very difficult as people are going to starting to be adults for the first time. Um, And just understanding also that, you know, nobody is prepared for this when they come study here, right? I am sure that at home, there are not programs that say, okay, you're going abroad for school, good for you. But let me tell you, here's what's going to happen. And I'm, I'm guessing that there's very little preparation like that. Um, and then sometimes if you like, you, like you said, arrive at a school where there isn't a large community already. I know in New York City, there's, you know, some NYU, for example, there's a really large international community, but even there, it's easy to get lost. And some people come with friends that they already know, and then don't go outside. So there's still a lot of adjustment issues, I would imagine. But it just seems like there's so much to even be aware of before you even begin to know like, oh, I can do something about this, right? Right. Or also just even when you are going through that process of right the day-to-day differences and just feeling like fish out of water, right? How do you know what's going on? Like, what are you going through exactly? Or what can you do to 
gradually made you feel more comfortable and at ease in this new environment. And I think it really requires a professional or someone who's experienced with this cross-cultural context. One thing I really appreciated too, Dr. Vivi, listening to you speak about this is you acknowledging that a lot of students and international folks come to you when they're already feeling so depressed or their functioning is so low or they're already failing a lot of their classes and looking at your coaching practices a way in which people can come and get help before it gets so bad where you're already at that point. Like how can we empower international students to know that there are resources that they can do proactively before they get to a point where perhaps they're feeling like they're really overwhelmed or not fitting in or making connections or struggling in school. Right. So, so part of what I do um, in my coaching practices, I have been seeking to build partnerships. There are a lot of service providers focusing on different areas of what international students need. For example, insurance is a big issue for a lot of international students, especially when they phase out of the student status and just in a transition of finding someone to be able to sponsor them work visa. You know, how do they navigate? Maybe they will be one or a couple of years of no insurance or insurance with very bad coverage, for example, right? Another thing is also about a career. How do you go about finding a job when you don't have a, a big network in the country? You know, at least when I was in Taiwan, uh, we, we take that for granted where you were born into a family, where your family were there for several generations. And part of your network is not not born with you, right? No, that's because you were given that network through several generations of your family's work and efforts, right? Here, international students, that is one of the biggest challenges for them is they came without a network. And so in that job search process, it can be very daunting. And so part of what I do uh, in my coaching practice is to actually look out for professionals who are able to bring value in these areas for international students. So if actually most of them want to stay in the U.S. after they graduate, that uh, another level is the legal issue, the immigration piece. So uh, collaborating with attorneys as well. As we start to wrap up this episode, we thank you, Dr. Vivi, because you've shared so many helpful insights and takeaways for international students, but also for us as professionals who often work with international students or folks who have moved away from their home country to be in the U.S. So for people who might be interested in learning more or working with you directly, can you tell us a bit about how they can find you? So I have a website, drvbcoaching.com, and students uh, feel free to look into my website. And I do have blog section where I would update it every two weeks. And so all of the blogs is about some of the experiences I've had personally and also mentoring coaching students over the years in terms of uh, their common struggles, challenges, and tips and advice I could share to help them better navigate this process. Uh, students, if they're interested in working with me, they can contact me online to set up a, a 30 minutes consultation call with me to discuss where they are in their international student uh, journey and how I can potentially support them to navigate this process more confidently. It's amazing. I think that a lot of people listening will benefit from knowing that you're a resource. A lot of the normalizing that you've offered around the international student experience. Thank you so much for your time, Dr. Baby. It's so nice to speak with you. Thank you so much.